We've all heard it said that science and the Bible contradict each other, but is that true? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello and welcome once again, everybody, to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, September the 5th, and of course, it is a joy, it is a blessing to have you here with us today, and we thank you so much for listening in. I truly do consider it a blessing to have you with us today, so thank you. Of course, I hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, Of course, we had a long weekend, which was really nice, makes this week actually go by a little bit faster and uh, that's always a good thing, especially when you're you're totally racking your brain trying to get back into the swing of things for school. So uh, praise the Lord for three-day weekends. But um, anyway, before we get started, I do have a couple announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to direct you guys over to the podcast that I did called Evolution, Five Reasons I Reject It. Uh, I've got a little bit of a dialogue going on there with uh, with an atheist who thinks that, you know, I'm totally off my rocker and, and totally out of line. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of trying to have an intellectual discussion about whether or not my points for rejecting evolution are valid and whether his points for rejecting the existence of God are valid. So I do want to encourage you to go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and check out the dialogue we've got going on in that post. Of course, if you just go to BibleStudyPodcast.org on the right-hand side, you'll see a link to Apologetics and Current Issues. Just click on that and scroll down until you find that one, and uh, hopefully that'll be interesting for all of you. Also... I want to remind you that next week we're doing our questions and answers. So if you have any questions pertaining to God, theology, you know, Jesus, uh, the Bible, you know, whatever, go ahead and send those questions over to me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. Or if you just go to BibleStudyPodcasts.org, of course, there's a contact button at the top. You can just click that and you can shoot an email over to me and I'll be happy to answer uh, as many questions as I possibly can. Usually I can get, you know, three or four questions, you know, knocked out of the way on in our question and answer uh, podcast. So, you know, if you have anything that, that you want an answer to, go ahead and send that over to me. But uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started today. We're going to be talking about whether science contradicts what the Bible has to say. Are they compatible with each other? But let's start this with a word of prayer. Father God, we are humbled as we come into your presence today. And some of us might be seeking answers. Some of us might just be seeking ways to respond to critics who don't believe that your word is true. So, Lord, we know that your word is true. Help us to use this information that you're going to teach us today to glorify you and to reach the world around us for you, Lord. We love you. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a subject that I really think is necessary for us to discuss and learn about because you know, because one of the first objections that we get out of the mouths of non-believers is that science and the Bible are incompatible. They don't work. Some critics, if not many, uh, but at least some, will go so far as to even assert that science contradicts 
the Bible. And if that's true, you know, that, that kind of gives us a difficulty for reaching them. It's an obstacle in us reaching them. So thus the reason for rejecting the Bible is that, you know, we can quote unquote know uh, science empirically, but we can't do the same with the Bible. And of course, if you ask them for a passage in Scripture which demonstrates that the Bible is unscientific, they usually can't do so. And if they do, it's usually uh, something that they haven't understood in the Bible. But, you know, there is a presupposition in the statement that we can know science empirically, but we can't do the same with the Bible. There's a presupposition there that we have to address. You know, can we really know science empirically? My answer is, well, yes and no. I believe it's possible to have absolute scientific knowledge about an object or objects, uh, which is demonstrated as being true through empirical means, through tests and, and so on. However, one thing that we simply can't overlook is the fact that so-called quote-unquote scientific knowledge is always changing. If, is it really knowledge if it's changing? You know, science is always revising its theories. For example, consider the results of a recent experiment which was reported in the Telegraph UK, which read, a pair of German physicists claim to have broken the speed of light, an achievement that would undermine our entire understanding of space and time. According to Einstein's special theory of relativity, it would require an infinite amount of energy to propel an object at more than 186,000 miles per second, which is the speed of light. However, Dr. Gunter Nimtz and Dr. Alphonse Stahlhofen at the University of Koblenz said they may have breached a key tenet of that theory. The pair say that they have conducted an experiment in which microwave photons, energetic packets of light, traveled instantaneously between a pair of prisms that had been moved up to three feet apart. Being able to travel faster than the speed of light would lead to a variety of bizarre consequences. For instance, an astronaut moving faster than it would theoretically arrive at a destination before leaving. Now, uh, that's that's what the Telegraph UK reported. You know, so this is something that science obviously has to answer for. You know, they've had this theory for, for decades and decades. So, you know, basically what this says is that the whole theory of gravity and relativity is now on the brink of scientific rejection, even though it's a theory which has been regarded as unquestionably true for decades. Now, before we talk about whether or not the Bible and science are compatible, let me preface this lesson by saying that the Bible is not a science textbook. It was never meant to teach science. It was never meant to teach scientific theory. However, it does make scientifically true statements. So let's take a look at a few examples of what the Bible says and which science is able to affirm also. The first thing is, well, you know, one thing that everyone will probably agree on that science can know absolutely is that the Earth is in space. That is, it doesn't sit upon the shoulders of Atlas as ancient Greek mythology asserted. You know, they asserted that uh, that Atlas was this huge god and, you know, he had the Earth on his shoulders. And nor does it rest upon a set of pillars, which is what the ancient Egyptians believed. And if you look at the Hindu belief regarding the support of the Earth, you'll find that they believed that the Earth was resting on the backs of gigantic elephants. Now, why elephants of all things? Who knows? You know, I, I probably would have picked um, 
a rhinoceros or maybe a lion or something like that. But, you know, that's what the Hindus believed, is that the earth was sitting on the backs of gigantic elephants. However, when we open our Bibles to the book that is probably the first book of the Bible that was written, and that's Job, we don't find any ridiculous affirmations regarding the means by which the earth is supported. And by the way, yes, the book of Job was written when these theories were widely accepted. But in Job 26.7, we read that God, quote, stretches out the north over the empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. At the time when this was written, such an idea, you know, that the that the earth is suspended in space with nothing to set it upon, nothing that it's hung on, you know, that would have seemed absolutely absurd from a scientific standpoint to those people. Yet now that we have the technology and the ability to send people out into space, science has affirmed the same thing that the Bible affirmed thousands of years ago, that the earth is suspended in space. We also know through scientific observation that the earth is round, yet this hasn't always been accepted by fact. Yes, the Greeks had figured out that the earth is uh, is round, that it's a sphere right around Jesus' time, maybe a little bit before Jesus' time, but we know that people believe that the earth was flat as recently as 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, of course. Uh, the fear was that he was going to sail right off the end of the earth, and who knows where he was going to fall to, but uh, they believed that the earth was flat. But long before it was scientifically accepted Accepted that the earth was spherical in shape, the Bible had something to say about the shape of the earth. First of all, we read in Job 26.10 that he, God, has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. Now, in order for the division of light and darkness to be described as a circle, the earth must be spherical in its shape. It has to be round. And again, let's not forget that Job is one of the oldest books written in all of the world. It was written in approximately 1500 BC, and it was most likely the earliest book written in the Bible. But we also read in Isaiah 40:22 that, quote, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Wait, what's that? The circle of the earth? Obviously, Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was affirming the same truth that Job was affirming that the earth is circular, it's a sphere, and Isaiah was written in approximately 730 BC. Now, you know, this all might not seem too impressive, but we need to remember that it wasn't until approximately 500 BC that Pythagoras theorized that the earth was round. He was an astronomer who uh, who theorized that the earth was round. So 1,000 years before Pythagoras realized that the earth was round, it was written in scripture that the earth is round. We also know that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 17 verses 34 through 36 that when he returns, some will be taken as they sleep, which would indicate a nighttime return, and some would be taken as they work in the field, which would indicate a daytime return. Well, how can his second coming be in the flash of an eye and at the same time, you know, uh, he's returning at a time that's both daytime and nighttime? Well, simple. At all times, half of the earth is dark and half of the earth is light because it's it's facing the sun. So the Bible does affirm that the earth is round. The Bible also affirms that there are too many stars in the sky for a person to count. Now, the Bible doesn't make a distinction between planets and stars, but, you know, 
I'm okay with that since, you know, if if you think about it, we really don't make that distinction either in our everyday language. The average person doesn't say, look at all the planets in the sky. No, you know, it's more common to say, look at the stars in the sky. And we still call, you know, meteors falling to Earth, we still call those falling stars. So why are scientists always discovering new planets and stars? Because there are more planets and more stars out there than we could possibly count. But an astronomer named Hipparchus believed that he had counted the total number of stars in the sky. In year 150 BC, that's 150 years before Christ, he concluded that there were exactly 1,022 stars in the sky. And of course, then uh, Ptolemy came along and rejected Hipparchus, and that's because he, Ptolemy, had counted 1,056 stars in the sky. How ridiculous for uh, Hipparchus to conclude that there are 1,022. But then we read in uh, in Jeremiah 33:22, which was written way before the time of either one of these guys, uh, Hipparchus or Ptolemy, and we read in Jeremiah 33:22, quote, I will make the descendants of David my servant and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars of the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. You know, if only Hipparchus and Ptolemy had read Jeremiah, you know, maybe they would have exhausted their genius on something more worthwhile than trying to count the stars. Now, there's a fourth thing that we can get from the Bible uh, that is affirmed by science. You know, the ancient Greeks attributed the northern winds of the earth to a mythological god named Boreas. For thousands of years, nobody was quite sure, you know, exactly where the wind went to, where it came from. You know, did it just circle around the earth indefinitely? Did it carry off into outer space? Did it come from outer space? And where did it go after it went past us? But then we read the Bible, however, and we read Solomon with the wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And Solomon affirms what science now knows to be true, that the winds of the earth circulate in different directions, and they come back again. Ecclesiastes one six says, The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. Of course, we now know that this is scientifically accurate, but back when Ecclesiastes was written, nobody, uh, back in Solomon's day, had any idea about where the wind started or where it ended. But here the Bible talks about how it's kind of a conveyor belt. It returns to its course, and we know that's scientifically true now. Now, finally, let's not overlook the fact that it wasn't until approximately 300 years ago that scientists discovered that air has weight. Before that, the question was either never asked or air was just, uh, you know, simply simply believed to be weightless. However, when we read Job 28 verses 20 through 25, we read, From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? God understands the way to it, and he knows its place, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens when he gave the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. So the Bible declared that air has weight over 3,000 years before science came to the same conclusion. You know, we can put our faith in the Bible, because unlike science, the Bible never changes. It remains true forever, because it's the Word of God. Let's go ahead and end this with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is just so awesome to know that before science came to all of these conclusions, Lord, you told us these things ages ago. 
And of course, Lord, this is just one of those things that we just, we marvel at. And it really gives us an idea of how awesome you really are. And we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed truth in your word. Help us, Lord, to use this information to glorify you in our lives and in our witness to those who don't believe in you. We thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Again, I want to encourage you to send your questions in for next Wednesday. We're going to be doing our question and answer forum. Or if you just have comments about the podcast, feel free to contact me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. But I hope you guys have a great week. I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you.